Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. We live in a, a culture which is driven by consumerism. And in a consumer-driven culture, it's easy to forget about the importance of gratefulness, gratitude. And uh, we've got to make an effort to take a few minutes to at least begin to offer Thanksgiving back to God. With me right now is Susan Muto. She has given us gratefulness, the habit of a grace-filled life. Susan, it's a pleasure to have you with me. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's marvelous to be here. Would you mind just giving, telling us a little bit about Adrian von Kamm? Adrian von Kamm was a spiritual father originally born in the Netherlands, who really had some amazingly searing experiences uh, early in his life. He had to go through the infamous uh, Dutch hunger winter of 1944-45 when the Netherlands was under occupation by the Nazis. And as he reminded us, he was literally catapulted out of the ivory tower of the seminary Mm -hmm. into this horrible time of deportation and devastation. But curiously enough, in that very time, he began to meditate on the power of appreciation. He found out that if we allow this innate potential for appreciative living to be rooted out of us by infamy, by evil, we have lost a great deal. Mm. And so one of the lessons that all of us remember from Father Adrian is how he embodied that power of appreciation in uh, what he loved to call the ministry of the smile. He remained for all of us who knew him and who worked with him a gentle, joyful man of God who really understood what gratitude means and how difficult it is to say thank you, Jesus, at the foot of the cross. Yeah, yeah. That ability to give thanksgiving, to offer gratitude, it comes up time and time again. I know in St. Paul's writings, frequently he'll give a list of, uh, oh, the sins of the flesh or some very negative experiences people have, and then he balances all those with giving thanks. This is so fundamental. And I assume then that you're carrying on this teaching that uh, gratitude is primary. Yes, without a fail. In fact, the book that preceded this one on gratefulness, The Habit of a Grace-Filled Life, was indeed one co-authored by myself and Father Adrian von Kahn, titled The Power of Appreciation, A New Approach to Personal and Relational Healing. And that book was driven by two main um, thoughts. Number one, that we are finding as human beings, unfortunately, I think often due to the fallenness of the human condition, Mm -hmm. that it's much easier to grumble and complain (laughs) and fall into a morass of negativity than it is to really not take any of God's gifts for granted and give great thankfulness. That helps our personal life. But it's also important uh, for our relational life. Often uh, people find themselves in a quandary where they've been badly hurt and they can't forgive. They can't say, thank you, God, that this is a terrible time in my life. I would not like to repeat it, but I have learned so much from it. What is the habit of gratitude? Well, that is a wonderful question, because you see, habit is very much related to an ongoing practice that is so prolific and so winning that before you know it, in the very core of our being, in our heart, we begin to develop a disposition that really 
guides us and warns us when we may feel ungrateful, that disposition, that habit of the heart, as it were, triggers a movement in the direction of finding something, some little thing for which we can say thank you. So the habit of a grace-filled life is enabled by a thank you prayer, by, for example, keeping a little notebook at the end of the day and finding at least one thing to be thankful for, however simple. This does not have to be dramatic, but it really has to be a habitual tracing of these little threads in our life that really remind us... uh, It is God's grace that enables me to see the good as often as I possibly can. You know, this is, I think, an incredibly important point, isn't it, that to see it in the small things. If we focus in on those small matters, the things you don't necessarily write books about, we can probably have dozens of opportunities for this throughout the day. Well, I hope that uh, the book reminds people that positivity, appreciation, Gratitude is literally all around us. For whatever reason, that veil is over our eyes. We need to begin to try to practice this disposition of thank you. Just like if you're first learning a musical instrument, Mm -hmm. you have to practice. If we practice gratitude in the little things, then when, for example, trials and tribulations are upon us, we're less inclined to complain and blame God for everything. We're more inclined to say, Lord, I know there's something here that you need me to see. Thank you for giving me the courage to enter into this tribulation and wait upon your word. If we're grateful at the level of our heart, then we're going to become a grateful people and really we'll be much nicer to be around than mean people <laughs> that have a black cloud over their heads. Yeah, indeed. Gratitude uh, in these circumstances is one thing. How about gratitude in relationship with others? There are people who annoy us. How do we identify yeah. points of gratitude with them? If uh, we're on to the right track, that this uh, power of appreciation, this grace of gratitude is uh, healing both personally and relationally, that same habit of gratitude will help us to get behind the surface disposition of irritability that we might feel to take a second look. Um, Gratitude is often associated with respect. Now, that word respect from the Latin respectere means to see again. So that a grateful disposition helps us to take a second look and not become automatically disgruntled or dejected. Ask the Lord in prayer, because if we are really asking the Lord for help, then I believe he'll help us to get behind that first sometimes nasty impression and look again, respectfully. We don't have to agree with people. Of course, we're not going to, but at least we can look again. And I think that part of the habit of gratitude is relationally rooted in respect for one another. You have a whole chapter on the dangers of negativity, People might think immediately, well, yes, that's true. If I'm not grateful, then I'm subject to complaint and um, compounding my misery. What are some of the dangers of negativity that maybe we are not familiar with? I believe that uh, one of the uh, subtle dangers of negativity is the way in which it may create a crevice 
in our very personhood and character into which the demonic can enter. This is why I was greatly um, inspired by the work of the spiritual masters, because they seem to understand that one of the ploys that the Prince of Lies uses is to tempt us to really not exercise that disposition of gratitude. Um, The demonic ploy is often related to ingratitude, uh, to getting our own way, to blaming other people, to wallowing in self-pity and anger. Negativity is also a breeding ground for a kind of low-grade depression, because if, if nothing means anything, to us and nothing um, gives us a surge of joy, then it's easy to become really caught in a kind of morass of disgruntlement, disgust, and so on. So negativity is, is a is a real um, obstacle to grateful living, and this is why we have to tackle it head on. Mm. Now, some people suffer from seasonal affective disorder. What suggestions do you have for them? Well, I think there again, go into your nearest hardware and say, thank you, God, that somebody invented a sun lamp. Now, I can turn <laughs> it on a couple hours a day. I mean, this is this is not a complicated, you know, lengthy right. uh, psychological being on somebody's couch. It's just going to the hardware, for goodness sake. And uh, and and it's just, it's, again, the fact that we had a little bit of laughter is good because thankfulness often evokes laughter and mirth. I mean, how silly are we for complaining about everything? And uh, I don't want to underestimate SAD, S-A-D. I know that when you uh, live in the density of winter for so long, it's pretty difficult. But honestly, just letting a warm sun lamp on your face for 15 minutes or so, it stimulates the vitamin D and you feel better. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, those of us who take on this uh, path of discipleship, who are interested in uh, imitating Christ and building into our lives the appropriate responses, how do we know we're making progress in grateful living? Well, I try throughout the book to give some uh, signs of grateful living, and uh, I really find even in some of the uh, workshops and seminars that I've conducted around this book that people are very grateful for those signs that I present. For instance, one of them that is terribly important is is a simple directive, trust your story. I mean, really um, do a little retrospect on your life. I know that sometimes, um, maybe once a year on Thanksgiving, we count our blessings, but that needs to become as much as possible a daily occurrence. In other words, uh, trust your story and realize that as bad as sometimes have been, you've come out the other end. There, There is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And when we tell our story, we see that. I mean, after all, the main story of Christianity is a good news story. It's dying and rising. It's not just dying. And so trusting our story is, is one of the signs that we're growing in grateful living. And it's related to a second sign, and that is, as I articulate it, train yourself to find a silver lining in every limit. Mm. Don't just get stuck on the limit, but try to see the silver lining in it. Often uh, burdens 
are blessings in disguise, but we need that disposition, that habit, that new way of seeing and and listening to life that gratefulness uh, enables. And so uh, and so it goes. I mean, a few others are in the book, but. Uh, one that I like every day is one that I like to say to myself every day, and I wrote it specifically, strive every day with the help of grace to overcome the temptation to be ungrateful. And see, that's where we uh, have to recognize that lead us not into temptation. Sometimes it's major moral issues that we need confession for, but often we're led into the temptation to be ungrateful. This is just seeing bad news, never seeing yeah. good news, never beholding the, the rainbow that can appear um, in a sky that we never thought uh, would produce one. You know, that's, again, that's incredibly important. You talk about the ministry of the smile here from St. Therese of Lisieux. Yeah. What is the ministry of the smile? Well, again, it's something that you recognize when you put into practice. For instance, I was at Walmart a few days ago and I had picked up the things that I need, went to the um, cashier and noticed that she was just uh, focusing on tapping in the amount of the purchase. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of bent my head over <laughs> and I said, hey, I said, hey, what a great job you're doing. And I gave her a little smile. She popped up like, uh, you know, a jack-in-the-box. What did you say? I said, honey, I said, thanks a million. She said, oh, my God, you made my day. <laughs> that's great. That's the ministry of the smile. Yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful example uh -huh. of it. Gratitude and uh, ministry and service to others. If you lack gratitude, it makes you less capable of sharing and serving with others, doesn't it? I mean... Nobody wants to be around an ungrateful person. I think that uh, that's a profound remark because, you see, our world, of course, um, is very much in need of care. There's so many broken souls everywhere. But I think we learn um, from our Christian collection of wonderful saints, like I think of uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, that it's not enough to go through the motions of ministry because we're well-trained. Hello, how are you? I'm here to help you. <laughs> there has to be that more than, that, that, that transcendent depth of compassion and care, which actually, I think, wells up from a truly grateful heart that, as, as the saint of Calcutta told us, she could smile at these uh, people just so... Yeah deprived of anything that we would call human because she saw Christ in them. You see, that's respectere. That's looking again. Uh, and her grateful heart enabled her to do that. Maybe you weren't surprised by this because you're, you're more connected than I am, but when, when we learned that she had gone so many years without consolation, I was shocked by that. And yet one would have thought she showed tremendous joy Right? I mean, she appeared well, to. Well, exactly. And you see, here, this is the paradox that is always related to the Paschal Mystery. She never intended that the book, Come Be My Light, would be published. Right. And indeed, that, the, that book is all about the dark night of the soul yeah. and the spirit, as St. John of the Cross teaches it. And yet, as she knew, I think, from appreciating the, the great writings of the mystics, at the midnight moments of life, as St. John of the Cross says so beautifully, naked faith at the midnight moment 
is the only proximate means to union with God. And when you believe that at those midnight moments you are closer to God than at any other time in your life, quite frankly, a smile breaks out on your face. I picture St. John of the Cross in prison when he wrote the Dark Knight poem and came to the line, Oh, happy night! O night more lovely than the dawn, O night that has united the lover and the beloved. What's there not to smile about? Wow. Well, that is is truly profound. Um, Yeah, terribly profound. um, And again, this this takes the development of habit. I think that's what I want to come back to, because Mm -hmm. this has to become a regular... almost intrinsic response to negative circumstances. I think so, and that was the greatness of the Saint of Calcutta. I'm not here to be successful, I'm here to be faithful. Yeah, yeah. Susan, thank you so much. Great talking with you. You're welcome. uh, Absolutely, Al. Same here. Susan Muto, wonderful book, Gratefulness, The Habit of a Grace-Filled Life. I'm Al Kresta.